Welcome. It's after five, though, because I got to admit, I just opened a beer. It's been a long day. Uh, I will join you right there. <laughs> yes. I saw Ben put up yesterday, like, how many days since I've needed a beer after work? Zero. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, it feels that way every time. Pretty uh, much. Not, co- not to encourage to any of that, but man, this is an odd time. So it really is. It really is. It really is. Um, another edition of the JV Sports Blog Podcast. Todd and Rob alongside here. Um, well, not alongside, but um, cross town at least. Virtually. Um, yeah. As virtually, close as yes. they should be in these times. Yeah, so we actually had the privilege today to record a pretty cool interview uh, that I think everyone's going to enjoy on, uh, on our lunch breaks a little earlier today. Um, Rob, you want to tell everybody who we had and what we talked about a little bit? Yeah, well, we, we decided what we're going to do since there's no sports is just try to get outside, mm-hmm. not really our comfort zone, but kind of expand the aperture <laughs> a little bit and talk to friends, other Jamie people who, who we just think are interesting or fun or mm-hmm. need to be here. Uh, we start with Jamie Matram, a friend of ours, the guy who influenced us and encouraged us to start this blog and had a very cool career, kind of one of the, the forefathers of online you yeah. know, social media and sports blog. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. and then made a career change into a really cool company, CEO of a company called Breaking Tea. He's mm-hmm. kind of leveraging his experience of being uh, you know, somebody who really understands the digital world and, and online communication and trends. And now they're selling t-shirts um where the moment is the slogan and the idea mm-hmm. is they capitalize on all these moments in sports that are super exciting as a sports fan and they memorialize them through t-shirts and they're able to crank these things out in 48 hours yep. after games and it's just it's a really cool business model they do some really cool products we worked with them and we're able yeah. to help with the design process and promotion of the jmu game day shirt yeah, the um, father of the Constitution, mother of all game crafts. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, so it's just cool. Like it's it's a business that we think a lot of people should know more about. I think it's mm-hmm. great to support Jamie businesses. Great to support small businesses this time. Something mm-hmm. you and I talked about. And Jamie's Jamie's a good guy. He's a friend. I think people will enjoy hearing us talk mm-hmm. to him. And we really would encourage people to get out there and support whatever small business you can at this time. Um, but yep. it's also kind of inspiring to hear the way that Jamie and the Breaking Tea team are pivoting. And trying to make the best of this situation mm-hmm. and kind of um, figure out ways to continue to push new products and, and have cool stuff going on despite the fact there's no game. So I think I might need to go order that old uh, Mookie shirt that he <laughs> talks about. The classic yeah. collection is really yeah. cool. I encourage everybody to go to BreakingTea.com nice. and check it out. So yeah. that's my long-winded spiel yeah. to say we, we had our buddy Jamie on today. <laughs> yeah, no, it's cool. And, and like we were talking about, anybody you know, kind of independent business um we wanted to just do this quick intro for you this week before we talk to jamie um just to remind everybody um you can pick up to go stuff uh to go beer from pale fire and you can contribute to their food bank that is servicing industry you know restaurant industry folks who are out of work in harrisonburg so it just couldn't be a a better opportunity to help out tim and susan and the team and we're so proud to be a part of you know a very very small part of what they're doing and just to be have them as a, as our oldest first sponsor yeah. uh, for everything they're doing there in the valley, uh, and same thing with our guys over at Mossy Creek uh, down the street from Tim and Susan Mossy Creek Fly Fishing. You, they are going to be at six o'clock on Thursday on Facebook Live. They'll be doing their second um, fly tying workshop. So Rob and I both checked it out the beginner one last week, and this will be just a quite a step up this week. Uh, so looking forward to seeing more from Brian and Colby. And those guys have been doing, I saw they got a cool shout out from Trout Unlimited. Yeah. Um, encouraging people to support them as well. Another just, you know, hyper local, almost entirely JMU staff business. Uh, so 
if you're into that and there's anything you want to order from their online shop, most of their merchandise is available online, just like Jamie said. So, yeah. you know, it's a good chance to support a couple of businesses that mean a lot to us, you know, putting aside all sponsorship here, those guys are, have become friends and, you know, we just, we want them all to be around when this is all over. <laughs> so, and they're a great part of the Harrisonburg community, um, the Valley community. Time. So it's really get out there, support, uh, support small businesses. They're the ones that support all of our endeavors are, <laughs> What, do you have a crow like mm-hmm. actually in your? <laughs> yeah, I'm doing this on the front porch. <laughs> yeah, so I'm out on the. Oh well, that's good. This evening, yeah. No, yeah. but I mean, these small businesses are the ones that they play such an important in all of our communities. You know, um, wherever you are, chances are your kid's little league team has been sponsored by a local pizza place or or a fly shop or brewery. So mm-hmm. Get out there, support them. This is their time of need. Um, and it's a good way to break things up. I know, like, my family really looks forward to it. Friday night, we choose a different local business to go get takeout from. And we look forward yep. to it all week. And we try to – we've got a list. Like, we're trying to be like, okay, we've already hit this one. And we've hit this one. Let's make sure we support all of them. It's just it, – yep. every little thing helps us all get through the day. Yeah, big time. We did Bear Branch Tavern last week. Awesome. And, uh, yeah, so exact same thing. So, yeah. Rob, it's good to talk to you. It was great to talk to Jamie. Thanks for setting it up. And um, I will talk to you again yeah, soon. Yeah, I hope everybody enjoys this. Stay safe. Yeah, have a good week, everybody. <laughs> Go Dukes. Well, let's get going here. Um, we'll mark you down here, Jamie, at the four-minute mark to uh, okay. cut. Yeah. So welcome back to the JMU Sports Blog Podcast. Uh, Rob and I are thrilled to be joined by our spiritual godfather of the podcast today. I, I think it's his second time uh, joining us. Um, but we're joined by an old friend from JMU, Jamie Matram, uh, who is the CEO of Breaking Tea. Welcome, Jamie. Thank you. I feel like a heightened sense of reality now that our consciousness, now that I know I'm the spiritual godfather. <laughs> That's yeah. right. Yeah. Like the Dalai Lama of poorly, poorly operated podcast blogs. <laughs> yeah, J- J- Jamie is a veteran of such uh, venerable television institutions as Blog Show. <laughs> okay, so my kids discovered Blog Show the other day. Oh, uh, yes. they're for the listener, you know, between yeah. the ages of fifth grade and kindergarten, and they never knew about Blog Show, and and they. They started watching it, and I don't know what I said. I think I made fun of someone's appearance and made it a nice way. <laughs> and my nine-year-old got so upset he started crying. <laughs> oh, no. well, what was blog show? Was was that on, uh, on CSN or what, what was it, what was, on, was it at the time? It was on Comcast Sportsnet, which yeah. is now NBC Sports Washington. Right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so good. Yes. It was, it was amazing. Like so, just. For the for the listener, yeah, was here, it you uh, and Steinberg? It was me and Dan Steinberg from the Washington Post, and yeah. it was a once a week like ten minute segment that we would record in one take, where we just talked about like random blog posts on the internet. This was like 2006. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was like a drum sound effect. Oh, it was great. Yeah, it was like dun 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 dun. Blog show. So good. But at the time, like DC was kind of the hotspot of amateur semi-professional sports blogging. You know, there were so many that, that came out of this area. Well, the biggest things, a couple of big things. One was Dan Steinberg at the Post. He was mm-hmm. like the first person to have that job in the country yeah. uh, and do it well. And then um, Gilbert Arenas was like oh, yeah. a huge star and was also a blogger. He was like the most mm-hmm. prominent athlete blogger. 
And there's a few other things that kind of ha- like kissing Susie Culber yeah. here yeah. and Wiznuts and kind of these like proto yeah. like sports blogs. Um, so yeah, DC was like the sports blogging capital for a little while there. Yeah. yeah. And, and for those that don't know, Jamie had uh, ran, still runs the Mr. Irrelevant blog at the time, mm-hmm. um, which was about all things DC sports and one of our favorite things <laughs> and sort of inspired us to get going. I should have um, gone with a more descriptive name like you guys did (laughs) actually that was you jamie we were in the parking lot at godwin hall uh going to a football game and jamie said you should just call it jmu sports blog (laughs) and rob and i were like this is terrible this is a terrible idea he's like no it'll help with and it's sure enough that was back in yeah back in the seo days yeah Yeah, exactly (laughs) yeah Oh, the SEO days. Those yeah. days. There'll be yeah. documentaries about the SEO days. <laughs> uh, well, Rob wanted us to do, Jamie, we want to have you on because Rob wanted mm-hmm. to do a little bit of a, um, sort of how they built this JMU style um, during season quarantine, episode four here of our show. Oh, cool. So, yeah. I, actually, I didn't put that together. I love that podcast, the how I built this pod. I just there listened to um, the Ken Grossman from Sierra Nevada his this morning it was kind of an interesting one on kind of managing through crises and, and starting up something obviously as you think but yeah we just wanted to like since we don't have sports we wanted to kind of find first of all I have friends come on Todd and I are doing this podcast as much to kind of keep our own spirits up as anything mm-hmm. else so we figured we'll mm-hmm. like friends and then friends with kind of interesting stories and we think breaking tea you know it's kind of a sports adjacent business and you guys are now branching out into some other things for kind of current events but we just like talk to you about how you got involved um, and how you kind of came from the world of content. And I'm sure you're quite glad you're not stuck managing listicles, you know, 24 hours a day during this crisis. But um, so could you just tell people like where you started and you were kind of one of the original sports bloggers yourselves and and kind of sports social editor, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, it started at JMU really. I mean, I remember my college essay was like, or whatever the application essay was. It was all about like my first love is sports and my second love is media. (laughs) So I got to dig up. I I honestly don't even know if that essay, if I have it on file anywhere, but that was like, on a 3.5 inch floppy someplace. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) All my other files. Uh, But yeah, like I wanted to go get into sports journalism, you know, at JMU and it didn't really happen. Like I kind of just got into a fraternity. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> but uh you know like i i, I kind of studied media and had some sports internships and came out of college um right around like that dot-com bubble bursting mm-hmm. um and you know i i wanted to be like a sports anchor you know that's what i thought i was you know training to be but then i realized you have to move to the middle of nowhere to start <laughs> out in that profession yeah. making nothing and that's if you get lucky um and you know we can't all be steve buckhantz or lindsey zarniak (laughs) so actually i think lindsey zarniak might have been my year uh i'm not sure but anyway um i just got into uh into like the internet you know i got a job at a place in reston um it's called sandbox.com and wallstreetsports.com my first fantasy football league was on sandbox yeah i mean like you're playing fantasy sports around the year 2000 that like there was a very good chance you were using sandbox.com yeah yeah it was either like that or like yahoo or maybe cbs mm-hmm. and uh my so my first two years i was really just dicking around on the internet doing like 
fantasy sports games and like creating content about fantasy sports and moderating like community forums and stuff. <laughs> and it was super random, but it did put me on this like digital media path that I stayed on really all through the 2000s and like the first, you know, through like the 20, what do you, the teens? Do we call it the teens? Yeah. I don't know. The aughts. Yeah. Something. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I was just working for like bigger companies, um, still doing sports content, like either creating it myself or creating different sites or, or podcasts or whatever. And like, you know, hiring creators to, to kind of like develop these different like sports news uh, experiences um but a few years ago i i ended up leaving um gannett slash usa today uh for breaking tea which wasn't a real company at the time (laughs) (laughs) no (laughs) so you know and and, um it kind of became real pretty quick upon my hiring because i was the first full-time employee and i have three kids and had like three mortgages at the time and (laughs) uh we needed to figure it out so that was like yeah that was like late 2017 that's awesome so what does breaking tea do exactly jamie for anybody that's under a rock here yeah oh yeah of course i mean if you if you haven't heard of breaking tea yeah come on Yeah, you must have just been consumed by all the COVID nineteen coverage or something. <laughs> right, right. Uh, no, but Breaking Tea does what we call you know, real time sports fan apparel. Mm-hmm. So if something happens, like I'll tell you right now, we're working on something uh, <laughs> because okay, because there's no sports. I don't know if you guys heard. There's no yeah. sports happening. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. heard that. Scraping the bottom of the barrel, uh, like five thirty eight, and ESPN Bracketology uh-huh. like ran a simulated NCAA tournament. And ah. named Michigan State this year's champion. <laughs> so we're creating like, you know, within the news cycle where that's happening, we're creating and designing and releasing a product to kind of commemorate, you know, that that they're the simulated champs or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, they're like the bracketology champs. Um, so that's what we do is try to like identify these kind of trending moments, things that are um, going viral or, or just big sports news that fans are excited about and, and kind of, um, you know, create a clever or, you know, just, you know, aesthetically pleasing design to celebrate that, um, and bring it to market with our partners and try to, uh, you know, sell shirts, et cetera, while the moment's hot. Well, you just have taken all my money the last couple of years. So I'm, I'm really, I love it. Uh, my fight for old DC Tom Wilson Tampa Bay shirt is yeah. is is a favorite still. That's and a, I that think, was a classic. Yeah. yeah, I think my sister in law um, has like every one that you made for UVA last year. <laughs> so yeah, it's uh it's cool. Anybody who hasn't gotten it or seen it, uh, actually, I think you did our um, game day shirts quite yeah. a few years back. Yeah, we did one yeah. together. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was when they came back to game. Like, yeah, the second one. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 So what was cool father... about it was like how quickly it came together. Like they, they had that announcement and we had texts from you within a couple hours. You were batting ideas back and forth. And then mm-hmm. I think Ben was actually the designer for that one. Mm-hmm. He had a couple yep. sketches. I mean, so the timeliness is what's so cool to me is like these are clearly, you know, where the moment it's right. In the... How do you guys do that? Are you using analytics or is it just people kind of playing on Twitter and trying to use their judgment? <laughs> How's that all come together? Well, when I was hired, like I was hired by these two guys who started like entrepreneurs who started this kind of on the side, like Mm -hmm. probably five or six years ago. And 
you know, when they were doing it, in addition to their jobs and like their family lives, it was really like whenever we didn't watch Sports Center, like yeah. we like noticed yeah. something that happened yeah. that we could like act quickly on. And it's kind of evolved from there. Um, because at the beginning, it really was like have Sports Center on, be looking at Twitter, like visit ESPN.com, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, we've done a couple things. One is like we've developed a platform that takes all this Twitter data. Mm-hmm. and uh, kind of filters it and categorizes it by sport, by team, by event, um, and indexes all of this conversation in real time to identify whatever's overperforming. Mm. Like if JMU Sports Blog tweets something that is getting 10 times the engagement of a normal JMU Sports Blog tweet, gotcha. we know about that like we're identified or maybe you know there's different thresholds so maybe 10x might be too low maybe it's 50x i don't Mm -hmm. know so we're able to like kind of like with a small team Mm -hmm. monitor everything that's happening in sports and catch these moments like i i didn't know that like michigan state won the fake tournament but (laughs) but like michigan state people do and they're like you know kind of bragging and having fun (laughs) with it right so we noticed that and that informs you know, the product decisions we make in a timely fashion. And then we kind of come up with what the creative is going to be quickly before Mm -hmm. handing it off to our design team, which is like, we've got a couple guys, artists that are full-time on staff, but then we've got a a team, like you mentioned, Ben Mm -hmm. of freelance artists who are taking assignments kind of like whenever, you know, um, that line up with their talents. Like, you know, Ben's really good with uh, text and like doing different, you know, kind of like type treatments. This other guy we have is really good at doing uh, faces, you gotcha. know, so, so you kind of like we have this this team in place that can then create the artwork really quickly. And we try to get to market like within 24 hours or something popping up. That's so cool. And then do you, I know yeah. like you had leveraged us and we, we tweeted it out, put it on the blog and everything. I know you do that with a lot of other blogs. Is that your primary thing or is most of the traffic just via your own website or most of the sales? So our online business is primarily generated by our media partnerships. Like, I don't know if you guys knew yeah. this, but you yeah. guys are media. You're the media. <laughs> we did. We, we, we got the newsletter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. yeah careful out there because like people tend to hate the media (laughs) (laughs) Um, but no we so we have like tons of partnerships that are with independent sites like jane sports blog or you know blog networks like sb nation uh or fan-sided but then also like um corporate partners you know like nbc sports regional networks okay um bleacher report is a part of Mm -hmm. so most of our online business is generated by those partnerships and what those enable us to do is, well, I mean, among other things, get the right product in front of the right people at the right time. Mm-hmm. You know, so if we do a JMU yeah. thing, how, how are we going to let JMU people know about it? Well, it would be great to be in the bookstore or university outpost or whatever, yeah. but like, where are they spending their time online? Well, we could run ads like Facebook targeted ads, whatever. Mm-hmm that doesn't always work or it's more expensive uh, or it's just a pain in the ass. Mm-hmm. Or we could like develop these relationships with trusted people within those communities mm-hmm. that can, you know, get some attention to, to what, you know, people might actually care about. 
Cool. That's and then cool. you also have official licensing agreements. Like I know a lot of our listeners are probably Nats fans. You go to Nats Park, you can see the breaking key stand or kiosk right there um, mm-hmm. on the outfield. And then you had a really successful one with the Carolina Hurricanes, did you not? Yeah. So, you know, when I started, um, we did have one – we had one license in place. It was with the MLB players. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we could use MLB player marks and we pay royalties on those sales to the players association, but we couldn't use team marks okay. because we weren't licensed by the league itself. Yeah. So we've kind of expanded our license portfolio pretty consistently, consistently. Like mm-hmm. when we first did that game day shirt together, we were not licensed by JMU or the right. broader institution, IMG college licensing that handles JMU's mm-hmm. gotcha. license as well as like 200 other schools. Yeah. Um, so, but now we are. So like we reissued that shirt with a JMU logo on it, you know? Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So, and I actually, like I had to reorder it cause I was like, well, I want the official, I want the official <laughs> joint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, <laughs> even though the JMU white logo could not be like more plain Jane, you know, like, yeah. no, no offense. No, no. <laughs> ben, ben would say it looks clean. Yeah. 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 Right. Super, yeah. super clean. The even yes. M rather than the skinny yes. M. Once he pointed that out about the old one, now I can't look at the old one without cringing. But... Yeah. <laughs> the new one's super elegant. Yes. <laughs> yes. But uh, no, so we've added like a, more and more licenses as we've gone. And then, you know, we kind of work with more and more teams like you mentioned we have a, a like a breaking tea stand like the banana stand it's a yeah. nats park <laughs> yeah. uh it's between shake shack and devil's backbone so yeah. it's like a pretty good area to be yeah. right by the escalator yeah right. yeah right at the top of the like centerfield co- concourse mm-hmm. um super fun being there for the playoffs it was amazing yeah um the hurricanes were another one like so sometimes we'll put a shirt out and we'll sell like a dozen you right. know, like it's just it just doesn't go over or like the moment passed or like a player broke his leg or you know what I mean? Like yeah. something happened. Um, and then other times we'll put something out and it will just like it'll like do the, the equivalent of like going viral, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and so like with the hurricanes last year, they were doing those storm, those like surge celebrations after home ice wins. Yeah. And Don Cherry went on Hockey Night in Canada and was like, those guys are a bunch of jerks, you know, whatever. And um, we very quickly, like, collaborated with the team on a on a bunch of jerks design <laughs> that was, like, locally licensed by them, meaning it, it was, like, an exclusive for the Hurricanes. They, gotcha. they were the only ones allowed to sell it. Mm. And boy, did they sell it. They sold <laughs> literally... 25,000 of those something crazy like that because 25,000 shirts at retail <laughs> prices it's like a million dollar t-shirt yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, which is just wow. wild and yeah you know I, I wish we could well and then they went to the finals the well yeah they, they yeah. beat the <laughs> caps hurt, right? Uh, yeah, right. or yeah, they had a run in the playoffs yeah it was actually they showed incredible restraint I was like can we make <laughs> You know, a bunch of jerks tchotchkes <laughs> everything and yeah. they were like no just the t-shirts yeah rob and i have discussed koozies at different points along yeah. the way but yeah dude um, i used your jamie sports blog koozie nice. uh, the other day yeah the the one from the west virginia game nice. yes we, we did those in 2012 for the fedex game yeah that is my favorite koozie that i still own so yeah, yeah. um awesome. Jamie, I wanted to ask you, you've been at like the World Series and the playoffs and everything it has to be amazing. Um, but one of the things we've noticed with you guys is you've done 
really cool work with the WNBA and the mm-hmm. women's national team for mm-hmm. soccer, mm-hmm. Um, especially lately. Mm-hmm. And I was just wondering, like, was that? Did you guys like? How did you come to working on? I, I feel like that's been an awesome thing for you guys in terms of women's sports. Did you guys just find that to be? There just wasn't product out there, or how did you kind of? fall into those markets well i do think there was a bit of an inefficiency with both wnba and u.s women's national team in terms of like the interest and versus like what was available yeah you know there wasn't like a lot of of fan apparel available for either either sport team players group whatever you want to call it Mm -hmm. um i mean especially in the wnba like if there's specific player apparel it's typically only jerseys for like the very top players right and, you know, maybe, and, you know, you kind of see that in the other sports too, but like, at least in the other sports, there's like jerseys and like milestone tees. And, you know, if you want like a Max Scherzer shirt, there's no like shortage of product. Right. But if you want like an Elena Deladon shirt, mm-hmm. or Emma Mieseman for the Mystics, like, well, hopefully there's a Jersey. Right. Um, so, you know, we, we kind of matched up our model with, mm-hmm. with the WNBA and it's players and you know so far it's really worked i feel like there's a you know there's been a demand um and there's like an excitement for when we do something that isn't always there in the other sports right like i mean we could drop a max scherzer shirt that i think is fantastic <laughs> but it's like not really like all that notable right Whereas if we drop the same thing for elena deladon you've got you know, kind of people who are in the league and the game and the fan base mm-hmm. that like W community yep. who are just fired up about it. And so that's really worked well, like within that kind of, you know, within that audience specifically. Yeah. With the women's national team though, that's been awesome. <laughs> it's been like a tidal wave that yeah. has washed over everyone right. that really started last, you know, spring, yeah. summer with the world cup. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that, that's just been remarkable. I, I, it's not even that I have a blind spot for, you know, women's sports or what have you. It's that I had a blind spot for soccer. Right. Yeah. Um, Period. I've mm-hmm. never been a big soccer guy. Rob, we've watched games together. You have to like explain the rules to me. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's been like, it's been wonderful. Um, I, I'm just like continually amazed by the women on that team, the savviness of the players association and how they run their business. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we've been able to just find a lot of success together. It's really cool. Yeah, I, And you're right. I went to, I, I tried to look for my nephew and a couple of like friends, kids last summer before the world cup was mm-hmm. trying to find stuff like at Dick's or locally. And you're right. There was just nothing available. Mm-hmm. And of course I ended up buying the, I don't know. Is it the drive for four or like the, whatever the, I don't know, a couple of the ones that you uh-huh. got, you know, I spread them around mm-hmm. to a bunch of kids in our neighborhood. Yeah. And they were huge. And that was the only place I could find shirts. Yeah. So but, it's well, great. It's interesting. Like I, I don't want to belittle any of these fan bases, but like hockey, soccer, women's sports traditionally have kind of been underrepresented for all the ways you mentioned. And it's mm-hmm. almost like a tribal element to it. Like it's interesting mm-hmm. that, that the big winners have been those sports that traditionally aren't really served you know it's that inefficiency like hockey a lot of hockey fans almost have like a chip on their shoulder so i feel like they can be more appreciative when they have cool stuff and i could see this being certainly you know bigger hits in those kind of niche markets jmu being another one (laughs) little simple Mm -hmm. things but jmu gets an article in the paper and oh my gosh people go crazy 
you know, Steinberg right, yeah. has written about Jamie before and he reached out to us for ideas. And we're like, dude, whatever you write about, people are going to go crazy and retweet <laughs> it. Just be so thankful for content. Mm-hmm. I guess it's maybe mm-hmm. the same thing when it comes to merchandise. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of hit or miss though. You mm-hmm. know, like we have like that, what you just described holds true on the one end of the spectrum for you know, NHL, WNBA, women's soccer, um, and then on the other end, it would hold true for like NF or uh, NBA. Like we've had trouble marketing NBA products. And I think because the market is somewhat saturated, yeah. especially with like player specific mm-hmm. merchandise. Yeah. But then like we've had a lot of success with NFL products. Yeah. And we've had a lot of success with the MLB products. Mm-hmm. I think maybe because those fan bases are very tribal. Like yeah. if you like baseball, you have a team. Yes. Yeah. You know? Versus like NBA, it's a little more like player driven and not, you don't identify quite as much with a specific fan base. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know, like MLS, we've just started off with and, and, you know, that in the early, early, early going, mm-hmm. like that has been a struggle mm-hmm. and to connect with those markets. And I don't know, maybe it's just too early or, or maybe there's, there are different dynamics. I don't know. It's kind of fun to figure it out. MLS is weird. Sport. MLS can be a little bit kind of, um, it's almost like they put up barriers off to outsiders at times. I, I've experienced that as a fan, like that kind mm-hmm. of the typical soccer thing. Like they kind of check up your credentials and are you a real fan? Or are you just browsing? It can be a little bit intimidating. Um, Todd, yeah. I know you and I have gone to games and even sit in certain sections. Yeah. It, you can you kind of get the, the side eye or weird looks like you're not a real fan. And it's can be a little bit judgmental. The other hard, well, the hard thing nonetheless for me is just that everybody also roots for another team. Like yeah. the hardcore, like I also, cheer for everton right so mm-hmm. i mean i i'm at my dc united and i don't know i'm dividing my sports apparel spending between the two a little bit i guess mm-hmm. but their dc united fans will resent you for that they're all you know? oh yeah yeah they're you all. know it's just it's a weird it's a weird community but it's a fun community yeah. but it's a tough one but as a former north carolinian i am a carolina courage fan and uh that's my only women's team other than the national team. So, yeah, so, yeah, that's all. Um, is that the NWSL team in Raleigh? It is, the team in Raleigh, yeah. Okay. And they have, like, three or four national team players on that team. So, Crystal Dunn plays yes. on that team, and Abby Dahlkemper plays on that team. Yeah, so, okay. really fun yeah. group of players. Um, yeah, but, Jamie, we wanted to ask you if you have um, a chance here. Um, mm-hmm. You are a longtime vet of working from home. <laughs> I, oh, I believe, yeah. or at least working remotely, right? And now I've worked remotely since the 2000s. Yeah. So for those of us um, entering pandemic world here, um, do you have any particular tips for us on, on how to deal with this or what might be a good thing to t- take in? You know, I, I've been super lucky that I have liked my jobs. Mm-hmm. Like since I started working from home, I was at Yahoo um, doing, you know, sports media mm-hmm. and then just kind of broader content. Uh, same thing with Gannett and USA Today and now with Breaking Tea. Like, I like these jobs. Mm-hmm. I'm very engaged. Yeah. You know, like, there's no real downtime. I'm not bored. So, like, it's very easy for me to, like, lock in okay. from home mm-hmm. or wherever in the world. I, I really – so, anyway, any tips that I have, like, <laughs> apply to people who like the okay. job. <laughs> That's a good point. Sorry, yeah. everyone. Sorry, sorry, most yeah, of right, right, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I, I really, I just try to like break up the day. Like I'm not one of those people who's like, oh, you've got to like wake up and shower and put on a tie and whatever. Like I just roll out of bed. Like 
I get coffee and that's really like the only barrier to me starting my work. Okay. And then I think just like taking a break, you know, like you save yourself an hour or whatever by not commuting, yeah. by yeah. not taking a shower and getting dressed, <laughs> by not bullshitting with like, you know, Tom at the <laughs> office, whatever. Like, so take your time throughout the day, like get a dinner or you know have lunch with like your wife or a friend go for a run you know like just do something run an errand whatever you know like break up that day because otherwise if you just like don't leave your house and work from dawn to dusk or, or what yeah. have you you're gonna be a maniac <laughs> by the time you're supposed to be a real person yes <laughs> like yeah you know i feel that way so that's kind of my biggest thing but it's hard though because like if you don't see like when you're in an office there's that like behavior of like okay, I'm going to get into the office about when everybody else is mm-hmm. arriving and I'm going to take a lunch, like about when everybody else is taking a lunch and I'll leave and about when everybody else mm-hmm. is leaving. When you're working from home, it's all like out of sight. Right. And instead of being out of mind, you just assume that like everyone else is working all right. the time. Yeah. You know? So it's hard to kind of get around that. It's been a hard adjustment for me, like given what I do and particularly with the focus on Bill Wowers, it's what the hardest thing for me is realizing oh, that, like yeah. a, a lot of my time on site, probably like, it's probably wasted just far fewer meetings. But I feel like I'm being just as productive, so I should be happy about that. But mm-hmm. there's this pressure to do it in an increased number of hours. Um, so I've just been able to balance that. And taking breaks has helped me. Like, I am mm-hmm. not productive. If I try to sit down and crank through work for four hours, mm-hmm. not doing yeah. it. But I can get four good hours of work done if I spread it out over, like, six hours and just teach myself like that's okay but don't just sit here like okay i'm gonna take a half hour lunch i'm gonna go play basketball with the boys i'm gonna do whatever and for me i get up early and i try to crank through a couple hours before anybody gets up and then so i'm still wrapping up about the same time i normally would but i'm building in two two and a half hours of breaks throughout the day you know so yeah but i mean i feel incredibly productive in part because I will do work on nights and weekends mm-hmm. or like you said, before people wake up or what, it's not like traditional office mm-hmm. hours when you're working from home, like those barriers aren't quite there and that, that can be your detriment. You have to have the right balance. But overall, I feel like for, for me, at least it's like optimal to be working from home. And I cannot, what I can't imagine is that time, like after college <laughs> for maybe like most of the two thousands, like I didn't even have like high speed internet at home oh, yeah. and I didn't even have like a computer in my home. I would just like leave my computer at oh, work. Yeah. 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 You know, and I would go home and I, I didn't even have a way to work if I wanted right. to, I didn't have a smartphone. Like that's just so wild that we kind of straddled that <laughs> the line of like leaving it all at yeah. work and then like never really leaving work. Yes. God, yeah. It's weird. It's a thing about it now. Weird. It weird. Uh, um, hey, Jamie, I don't know if you ever, um, you know, Jamie's new coach, men's basketball coach, is a UNCW player, former UNCW player, um, Mark mm-hmm. Byington. I don't know what the uh, Wilmington take on Coach Byington is. What's, what's, the, yeah, what's, what, what, yeah. what's the story down there? <laughs> you know who else was an ex-Wilmington player, now coaches D1 basketball? John Calipari. Oh, so I think you can clearly expect <laughs> that JMU is now going to be a one and done factor. Right. Yeah, several things vacated. You know, <laughs> honestly, I, I honestly, I had never even heard no. of that dude before he got hired. Yeah. <laughs> like, I had no, I have no background. Other than our like deep state JMU group, um, yeah, we hadn't heard of him either. So don't, don't worry. Yeah. 
I feel like these programs might be in trouble. Like, you know, for you, for JMU, for you guys with JMU and then where I live now for the past 10 plus years in Wilmington, mm-hmm. UNCW is not a big program in the grand scheme mm-hmm. of things, but it is the number one team. And yeah, that's cool. There's like no other team around here. So it really sucks when they suck. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> like we don't even have football. We have, you know, the baseball team's pretty good. Soccer's yeah. all right, but you know, yeah. nobody really cares that much about anything other than the basketball yeah. team. Yeah. And when they're good, they get tremendous support. You know, it, it's a pretty, pretty tough place to play. And I know it's not just, it's not just the students. It's a general community, isn't it? That supports it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so they had like back to back tournament appearances like three or four years ago with Kevin Keats. Mm-hmm. They almost beat Duke and that one year. In the tournament. Almost, they, yeah. So yeah, when they, when they were going back to back, I think they might've been like back to back CAA mm-hmm. champs or maybe yeah. a regular season champion and then a tournament. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, there was that one year, I think it was like a four-way split. Oh, yeah. And Jane. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they all get rings. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what Raise the banner. <laughs> um, yeah. It's definitely yeah, yeah, somewhere. Convo yeah. or wherever they play yeah. these days. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, so when they played Duke in the first round of that tournament, that was a huge deal here. And you're right. That might have been like a single-digit loss for UNCW. Yeah, they played pretty well in that game, I think. Yeah, they're they're a very efficient team back then with Kaycock and a couple of those other guys. But Keats went to NC State and it's been fine at NC State. I think NC State people like Keats just fine. And J in UNCW got um I'm totally blanking on his name, but he was like one of Roy Williams' oh, assistants. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he's already been yes. yeah. so <laughs> right, right. tough tough, tough yep. way to go. Yeah. Jamie, I gotta ask you as the host of a um you know, it, one of the one of the best uh, Redskins podcasts on the internet, among podcasts who are not officially <laughs> associated with the team. Um, okay, all right, Jamie, the Mister Irrelevant podcast for anybody who doesn't know is Jamie uh-huh. and Matt uh-huh. Turrell uh, talking Skins games, uh-huh. which they may or may not have watched. Um, it's yes. really good. <laughs> um, but what do you think about the upcoming draft here, Jamie? Are you all Chase Young, or, or is anything else acceptable? <laughs> well. It's kind of like whatever goes because now like Bruce Allen's not, I feel like I trusted like Bruce Allen or Daniel Snyder and not involved in the decision. Yeah, that's right. Yes. And like that hasn't been the case for like forever, like decades, you know, where I actually kind of trust what they do, you know, like, I don't know, drafting Chase Young at number two seems like a win. If they got a nice haul for the number two pick, (laughs) like that seems like a win too. Uh, drafting Tua number two. Yeah. Make some deep breaths. (laughs) I am laughing. I did see they're going to have a uh, draft party, a virtual draft party. And Dwayne Haskins is one of the, um, one of the hosts. I I feel like it would be pretty, it would be, that could be, it would be vintage skins to uh, draft to uh, number two. (laughs) Okay. So that would be amazing. Uh, but really, like, what are the odds yeah, yeah, yeah. that Haskins shows right. up? <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh. I feel like it's a 50 Yeah, who knows? But here's the thing. I don't know how, like, Rob, you feel with the Giants and Daniel Jones. It's probably somewhat similar with the Redskins and Haskins. It's like, I don't know. Like, maybe these guys will pan out, but um, it's probably more likely they won't. <laughs> so should we just move on, even though they haven't gotten a shot yet? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I'm pretty confident about Jones. Um, I think his kind of doofus-like personality 
sets up well for New York. I mean, that, that was kind of the key to Eli's yeah, success. Yeah, yeah. Is you just let things roll off your shoulder. The, that, he, I think he had a very good mentor in Eli and somebody can just like, hey, cut out all the, all the noise. And also, as much as I love Eli, it's proven you can win without, you know, you, you don't need a Drew Brees or Aaron Rodgers to win New York. Right. <laughs> right. No, I mean, seriously, if you look at Phil Sims, Hostetler, you just need somebody uh-huh. who's steady, you can filter out all the stuff. I think the same thing could be said to a lesser degree in Washington. I think it's a little bit more difficult with Snyder, um, you know, because you're always probably looking over your shoulder. But I think Haskins is good enough to win with if you get the right pieces around them. Well, well, that's the thing. I guess everything I was saying really could not be applied to Jones other than, like, you know, he plays for your team and was drafted the same round. But the way I feel about Haskins is, like, nobody has any idea. If I had to bet, I'd bet against him. Yeah. Yeah. So that's just a tough spot. Yeah. To be in one year in after drafting a quarterback in the first round, having like a whole new administration, having a high draft pick. Well, particularly after it went down in Arizona last year and appears to be working out with Marty. Yeah, like, I mean, yeah, I'm sure they regret that. Like, zero. (laughs) They regret it not at all. Right. right. Yeah, yeah, I think Josh Rosen is probably, yeah, (laughs) that's like the The comp. Yeah, it's like the worst case comp, but also like, kind of the kind yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> yeah. oh that's a good time but anyway, before we get out of here like can we t- breaking to you guys even though sports are shut down you guys are not and i know you've been getting really creative and you got some fauci mm-hmm. teas and everything else can you just mm-hmm. real quick before we get you out of here can you tell people a little bit about what sort of merchandise you guys are looking to start or looking to sell in the, in the coming weeks yeah well you know everybody's impacted by this global crisis in different ways uh Thankfully, you know, we have been able to remain operational. Like we're still just like, just like the blue collar aspects of what we do. Like we're still able to print Mm. and fulfill orders. Mm -hmm. Like that is no given for the future. And, you know, a lot of our people in our industry are no longer able to do that, um, you know, as of the last three weeks. So we're still up and running and very thankful for that. Uh, Another aspect is like more than half of our business. We've talked all about e-commerce but half or more of our business is wholesale to retailers that are now shut down so like dick sporting goods or academy sports and outdoors or lids or rally house or the 60 to 70 pro teams that we sell to for in venue retail like all of that is zero Mm -hmm. so so everybody i talk to has an a version of Mm -hmm. this like that's our version of like how this is impacting you know, our business mm. and other businesses like ours. Um, but, you know, everybody's on board uh, helping, helping like keep things going. And, you know, what's been really encouraging the past few weeks is our online business is actually better than average. We've actually d- been able to do better. And I don't know, you know, how much of that is like just people are online. Mm-hmm. More. Day drinking and Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> purchasing, yeah. looking for small yeah. like units of joy Come, comes together yes yeah like uh, we see a lot of people posting things on social that are like you know got my new work from home outfit. <laughs> yeah and you know also like the women's national team gave us a huge moment a few weeks yeah, back right, that um the four stars only protest that they did mm-hmm. of u.s soccer um you know an equal pay was just like like a godsend for us as a business. Right. <laughs> um, that was, that was fantastic. But we, you know, with no sports going on, we've had to pivot creatively in a couple ways. Like one is um, we're doing stuff with like social distancing or Dr. Fauci mm-hmm. or Tiger King or these things that p- 
compete aren't sports, but like it, it's you know certainly like what's on everybody's mind right, right. now, um, and things that we can be you know expressive and creative and kind of playful with, even if it's you know with a serious backdrop. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing that I think is, is I've just had so much fun with this as like a kid of the '80s and like former baseball card nerd <laughs> is we started doing like breaking tea. Classes. Oh yeah, I saw these. They're cool. The Mookie so, Wilson one. I'm looking at it right now. It's pretty cool. Yeah. So just like, you know, CBS was showing like, you know, Duke, Kentucky from 1991 mm-hmm. on a recent Saturday afternoon. Right. Uh, you know, we're doing a collection of like Mookie Wilson's ground ball in 1986 <laughs> or Kevin Mitchell's barehanded catch. That was a big highlight. Or uh, I think we're doing one for like Nolan yeah. Ryan pounding Robin Ventura. <laughs> it's been really fun kind of coming up with these classic moments and how to creatively kind of capture those mm-hmm. moments. Uh, so we're probably going to do a lot more of that. And like this weekend, I just saw that like ESPN and CBS are re-airing classic rounds of the masters. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. So like Jack Nicholas in 86 or tiger, you know, in various years, um, you know, some of this, we might be able to be inspired by and, and, you know, do something while there's no sports happening. That's good. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, Jamie, we can't thank you enough. It's awesome to talk to a friend and, and take our mind off all this for a little bit, if nothing else. <laughs> and, uh, you know. Yeah, man. Yeah. It was good catching you up with too. you guys. Do you think this might be my springboard into getting into that like JNU alumni magazine? Yes. Oh, we've tried. We, we've been, yeah, we've been it, flat out lobbying to be included for, for years. Yeah, they, they, <laughs> they, haven't, they haven't done anything. I thought they did something for you. Guys. Uh, have they? they gave us an award. <laughs> Oh, yeah. okay that's nice it was yeah. like a, are you waiting for the feature you waiting for the like multi-page yeah, I don't know. we got yeah. we got an award for like helping with giving day and it was us uh, and arthur Motes. so it was like rob and todd oh. helped with giving day arthur Motes paid for a new football locker room <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like rob and todd sent out four tweets and helped raise thirteen hundred dollars <laughs> mr Motes wrote a check for 350 right. it was like yeah thanks that's amazing yeah yeah, yeah. Well, if if the editor of what's it called? Is it just called Jamie Alumni Magazine? Uh, the, 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 uh, the Montpelier. The Mon- yeah. Yes. That's right. If you're involved in the or Montpelier. Madison Magazine, I guess. Yeah. Madison Magazine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyways, my name is Jamie Moss. <laughs> Very interested in being featured in your yes, pages. Excellent. Uh, <laughs> I want to show something to my you know, parents for, for paying my yes, way through. Yes. Yep. Uh, that's what I showed my mom, our, our Francis Scott Key Key award and uh yeah <laughs> good job mom right. yeah, way to go yeah. oh well jamie um i hope you and your family are safe and uh can enjoy the springtime down there um i know you can't be at the beach but uh near the beach <laughs> oh well yeah i can almost smell the beach right. <laughs> good yes. yeah uh, better, better than some things you know yeah all right well, hey good talking to you guys really thanks jamie yeah. thanks Rob. stay safe all right go dukes all right.